Coming up on the Men at the Movies podcast, I seek the glimpses of the gospel found in the Disney movie Hercules. In his attempt to find a place of belonging, Hercules chases his worth through accomplishments, doing things, being famous. But it's only through the power of self-sacrificial love that he defeats evil and becomes the hero he's meant to be. Wait, is my hair out? Join us as we discover God's truth in this movie. The movies and stories we love are gateways to see ourselves and God in new ways. Every great story borrows its power from a larger story. The story that's written on our hearts and woven into the fabric of our very being. Hello and welcome to the Men at the Movies podcast. My name's Paul McDonald and joining me from down, not quite in, but very close to Disney World is Corey. How are you doing this morning, Corey? Hey, what's up, Paul? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? Very good. Very good. We get to dive into one of the non-princess movies that Disney provides. <laughs> yeah, it's about time. And I, I think there's some more uh, non-princess movies we can get into, but uh, this one's definitely a good one. Yeah, it's even one of my my favorites, I think, stories is Aladdin, uh, mm-hmm. which I know it does have a princess, but the story's not really about her. Um, it's more about Aladdin, at least the original version was anyway. It's not called Jasmine. <laughs> so have you been to Disney World recently? So I, I had a, a meeting with youth ministers in Orlando. Uh, so for everyone listening, I, I live in Jacksonville, Florida, and you probably don't maybe maybe don't really know where that is. That's about two hours and ten minutes maybe from Disney World. I had a meeting in Orlando with a bunch of youth ministers. We're trying to figure out what to do for like mission trips and service stuff uh, for the upcoming summer. And uh, and so I had a meeting uh, at a church about twenty five minutes outside of Disney World um, last Thursday. And so I thought, okay, so I'm going to wake up at 5 a.m. I'm going to leave the house, and I'm going to go to Hollywood Studios, and I'm going to just be there for like 90 minutes, nine, you know, 100 minutes by myself, walk around. I'll ride a ride. I'll get breakfast. It'll be great. I won't have to push a stroller. I won't have to do any of that stuff. <laughs> um, it was not what I thought it was going to be. I don't know if you've ever gone somewhere and it's just not what you thought it was going to be. But uh, uh, no, me and my family, we went to we went to Animal Kingdom and Hollywood Studios two weeks ago. I had a good time. Um, I had a really good time. So we go a lot, uh, but you know, uh, it, we we don't. I don't feel like we go crazy amount, but we we go enough to to, to where it doesn't get old, and, and we look forward to the next one for sure. Awesome. So we're talking about Hercules today, which is, it came out, I was surprised how, I, I'm always surprised when I look start looking at the dates of some of these movies. So this came out in 97. You are my Disney guy. Uh, so what is it, um, like, what is the big thing about this movie that you're excited to talk about today? Well, uh, Hercules is great. Uh, for a couple of different reasons. I, I think it's a little different than all the other movies. Um, um, uh, you know, in, in a weird way, it's, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't want to say it's weirdly religious because as we know, you know, nobody looks at Hercules and thinks, oh, this is a movie about religion. <laughs> yeah. But in a, in, in a ways, it's, it's based off of 
millions and millions of people's religion. It's not a practice right. religion really anymore, but yeah. You know, so it is in a weird way, kind of a religious movie. Um, it's got fantastic music, probably pretty underrated Disney music. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's a lot of fun. Uh, and, and, and like we've already, uh, talked about privately before the show, you know, there's just a lot of, um, a lot of nuances. There's a, there's a lot of, uh, kind of like Beauty and the Beast where, you know, you kind of think, oh, I, I feel like I've heard this little part of the story before. Where have I heard that? Oh, that's that's just straight out of the book of Revelation. Or, oh, <laughs> well, that's, you know, that's, you know, that's this little part of, 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 of God's story or whatnot. Um, and so there, there's a lot of good reasons, I think, uh, you know, we, we can talk about this and, and this might be an easy conversation for us to have. There's a lot of rumor, uh, and I don't, I'm, I'm not even quite sure if it's rumor anymore. I think it might be a plan. I think Hercules is the next big live-action Disney movie that's mm. going to be coming out. Um, and, uh, and so that, that should be a lot of fun. Not sure how I feel about that one. Well, they, they, <laughs> I, I have heard, uh, and I don't know if this is confirmed or not, but I've heard Ariana Grande will be Meg. And everyone's thinking, man, I don't know if you could get someone who might be more perfect to play Meg. Like skinny little yeah. girl, big voice. Kind yeah. of sassy, I don't know, um, but uh, anywho, so it's it's a good movie. There's lots of reasons to talk about it. So it's it's interesting because um, Joseph Campbell he talked about the hero's journey back in I think the 70s, maybe probably before that. It's been a long time. He wrote about what he called the monomyth. We t- tend to call it the hero's journey, where all these these great stories, these great myths, these legends from from village tales all the way up to, you know, and he, you know, includes Christianity, Buddhism, the Greek gods here, all under the same big umbrella. So that they all, they all go through the same process. You know, the, the hero gets invited to an adventure. He initially refuses, then he takes it. He has to go through these road of trials, friends, enemies, then he has this death and resurrection and homecoming where he comes back as a new person to bring what he's learned, the treasure of what he's learned. And, and while I don't subscribe that all, all of the stories are myth, the idea that, you know, we, we hear at the podcast, we sort of say the reason that these stories have power to move us is because they're taking the power from the power of the gospel, the power of the, for that, of the Bible. Right, right. Because you you mentioned this briefly, this idea that there are little glimpses of the truth, and we we say if it's true, it comes from God because God is truth. This idea that even in the beginning of the movie, very similar to what you mentioned with Beauty and the Beast, you've got the son of the king. Something happens. Evil enters the story, banishes him from Eden. In this, I mean, it was you know Apollo or uh, Olympus uh, banishes him from Eden, but he still maintains that eternal spark within him. Mm-hmm. And then you know, even to the point where it's they say, "Oh, in the prophecy, uh, Hades, you've got to get rid of Hercules because he's going to mess up your plans." And that's right. you know Genesis three, the he's going to stomp on the serpent's head, right? right. You're going to bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. Right. And so if, yeah, if you remember, uh, again, I'm going to, I say this every time we record, stop, <laughs> stop the episode. If you haven't seen Hercules in a while and go watch it. Cause this won't make sense to you. If you, if you last time we saw it was in 1997, but 
you know, there's those, what, what are they called? The, the, those three like old lady creatures with that. They share one eye. <laughs> what are they called? Again? Oh, it wasn't um, the or was it the oracles? I, I, I don't it wasn't remember. the muses because the muses tend to be beautiful, but <laughs> well, and the muses were the singers, right? Oh, Again, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zero sense if you have not seen the movie in a, in two decades. But <laughs> uh, you know th- those three lady kind of creatures. You know they represent you know you know prophecies. They quite literally give a prophecy that yeah. you know um, if, if Hercules fights, your plan will fail, and so his whole big plan is a whole big idea is that he's got to um you know uh hades uh his whole plan is he's got to figure out a way to get rid of the god's son right uh and and so you know just like beauty and the beast how it starts with that you know little um prologue and it's and, and if you haven't seen the beauty and the beast episode go check it out uh but it starts with that prologue it's so beautiful and it's just such a picture of like of, of Genesis, basically. Um, in the same way, you know, Hercules starts with this idea that there's Zeus, who is the god, and Hades, who's kind of the antithesis of him, right? It's good and evil, and Zeus has a son, and we find out that, that Zeus's son, once he kind of falls out of heaven and again, we don't want to get too crazy <laughs> with our theology. This Jesus isn't a full not. application of theological principles. Right. <laughs> Jesus did not fall out of heaven. That's not what I'm saying. But, you know, Hercules kind of gets out of heaven, we'll say it that way. And, and we, we find out when he's uh, when he's in earth, you know, he is literally part human and part God, just like Jesus. Well, he's not part. He's fully human and fully God. And Hercules, just like Jesus, holds the power in this story, holds the power to kind of be uh, the, the, the crushing blow to evil. Should Hercules fight, your plan will fail. I kind of think you know, I think a lot of people just assume, you know, maybe maybe people outside of Christian circles assume, well, Jesus, if Jesus is God, he was going to do it no matter what, right? I mean, in the garden, it's very, very, very clear, very, very clear in the garden that Jesus had to make a choice, right? In the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus had to make a choice. Should Jesus fight, this plan will fail, right? He had a choice. Um and thankfully for all of us, for all of humanity, he chose he chose to fight, fight back evil um, with his own uh, obvious um, sacrificial love. And, uh, and and we'll get into this a little bit later, I know. But, you know, sacrificial love is obviously a big theme towards the end of the story as well in the movie Hercules. So there's just a lot of really cool kind of nuances. And uh, like like you said, we'll, we'll call them uh, nods to truth, capital T, <laughs> truth, right? Nods to truth uh, found in this movie. You know, if if you haven't seen the movie in a little bit, you've got Hercules. He gets trained up by Phil the the. What's he? It's not a fawn. Half goat, half half, half person. Half goat, half person. It sounds like a fawn, Every but I think that's a different. Movie has a half whatever. goat, half yeah. person. I mean, a what, satyr. We, that's it. Sure. I yeah, think right. that's it. You got. We got to get our our mythologies correct. And he gets trained. He goes and fights. Hades wants to take him out. And as always, there's a girl involved, uh, Meg. And it's interesting because as you were talking about that, that idea of if he choose, that's what the fate said, if he chooses to fight. And so Hades' plan at the end, 
after he couldn't find a weakness, couldn't how to figure out how to take him out. He made him normal. He says, doesn't it feel great to feel like everyone else? Because he had taken his strength away. But he didn't take away. He didn't say, don't fight. He said, I'll take away your strength. Because the interesting thing was Hercules still went to fight even though he didn't have any of the the supernatural strength anymore. And he gets tossed around and then Meg gets hurt. He gets his strength back and all. And then, you know, the hero comes in to save the day. The interesting thing about that is that idea. And we're going to talk about this, this idea of proving our worth and how that sort of is a running theme, not just proving our worth, but, Chasing belonging, I think those things go hand in hand. But this idea that whatever we do is not enough, but what Hercules did, he knew he wasn't strong enough to beat the Cyclops in that that battle, but he showed up anyway. He chose to fight. Right. Shout out to um, uh, the lead minister at the San Jose Church of Christ, where I'm, I'm the youth minister, Joel Singleton, if he listens, uh, and he should. Uh, uh, one of Joel's favorite lines is he, he likes to say that he just shows up. Um, you know, uh, he's, he's, he's not some super talented, super gifted, just amazing hero of faith. You know, Joel just says he's got the Holy Spirit. He just shows up. And God does stuff. And, and I really appreciate that. And I, and I kind of think in a lot of ways— um, you know, uh, it's like you're saying, it's kind of what Hercules does. Um, uh, he's, you know, he doesn't, he no longer does he have the super superhero strength. He just shows up and continues to fight. Um, and he's obviously fighting, uh, fighting for good and, and, and fighting for the people he loves. But I really would like to talk a little bit more about kind of the, the running themes of this, of this movie. Um, and you kind of mentioned both of them. I kind of think in a lot of ways, I kind of feel like when, when you have a Disney movie um, and it's like one of those Disney movies where there's a lot of nods to truth, mm-hmm. right? Um, uh, you know, I always feel like, hey, there's a sermon in there uh, and, and you better watch out because I'm coming for it. Uh, <laughs> youth minister, I'm coming for the sermon that's in the movie. In a lot of ways, kind of like in Moana or in Beauty and the Beast, uh, all of these nods to truth, I do feel like there are that there are sermons in there. And I kind of feel like when you're searching for like, what is that big spiritual truth, the big spiritual nugget you're looking for? What is that overarching theme that we can see? And, 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 and it's very obvious. Uh, we see it from scripture. And then a lot of times this is, this is how I kind of feel. A lot of times I think that, that there are maybe sometimes there's like that, that first obvious initial theme, right? Uh, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, Lion King, you know, uh, he lives in you, right? right. Oh, so obvious. Every single preacher ever has done that, right? <laughs> but I kind of feel like sometimes the more even profound ones are the ones where you have to kind of look, a, uh, <laughs> I hate to quote Lion King, but look harder, <laughs> right? You just look a little bit harder. I, I feel like those are the ones that I really, really like. And so I kind of feel like with the movie Hercules, the, the easy and obvious one uh, theme uh, that's just kind of right in your face is, is obviously the, the, the theme of belonging or trying to find your, your group or, mm-hmm. you know, God has made us with such this innate sense of like, I have got to belong somewhere, right? And we know that this is a big thing because 
Uh, not only does Hercules sing about this once, he sings about it twice in the reprise <laughs> of Go the Distance, you know, probably the most famous song um, in the whole movie. Maybe one of the most famous just, uh, I'm not a musical person, so I don't know what the technical term is. I think melody uh, or, or just like the musical score in the background. I'm sure everyone's appreciative of that. Uh, but like that really, really famous you know, uh, melody from that song, you know, he says, um, you know, I'll, I'll do basically whatever I can to find where I belong. And I think that that is really important. And I would like to talk about that. I think we should talk about that. But again, like, like you said, I, I think there's this other underlying thing, um, that if you look a little bit harder, um, and it's not just with Hercules, uh, Phil and Meg and Hercules, they're also all trying to figure out how can they prove themselves worthy. It's one thing if one character is going through it, but it seems like if every character is going through it, because um, I, I don't really know if Meg was trying to find out where she belongs, right? Um, Phil wasn't. Phil was just on some, Phil is the half, half goat, half man. He's just on some island chasing the little... I don't know what those are called. Tree nymphs. Uh, we, we, we should have done some vocab before we started this show, okay? Uh, because half of what we're saying is they're doing this, and then I don't know what it's called, but then they do that. Uh, I'm, so I'm sorry about that. But, uh, you know, I'm not quite sure he was looking for a community to fit in. Hercules definitely was. But all three of those characters are looking, I believe, to prove their worth. Um, and, and I just kind of feel like, Kind of feel like that's that might be the meat of our show today, because those things are they overlap. Because we want to belong so desperately that we feel like we have to prove ourselves. And I, I mean, I I pulled the lyrics up from that the go the distance because I think it does. As C.S. Lewis says, if we find our desires not met in the world around us, it's only probably true because we're made for somewhere other than this. And he, and yeah. Made for another world. Yeah. yeah. He says, I've often dreamed of a far off place where a hero's welcome would be waiting for me, where the crowds would cheer when they see my face and a voice keeps saying, this is where I'm meant to be. It's like, that's our, I mean, that's our longing for belonging, but I think also a, a longing for heaven, you know, to be, yeah. to, to receive, the the reception that's waiting for us on the other side um, from a father who says, well done and, and an embrace, but the idea of how to get there is that's where we're, I think we're, we're going to spend a lot of our time talking. How do we get there? And this movie shows a lot of ways that don't work. <laughs> yeah. When we talk about the idea of belonging you know, I always see things from a youth ministry point of view because I'm a youth minister, right? A youth minister professor that I know, uh, he, he he loves to say this. He, he says, teenagers, and, and, and by the way, Paul, uh, one of my big, big ministry theses that I've been developing uh, over the past couple of years, the older I get, the more I see this. I really do believe um, there's really not that many differences between teenagers and adults. Uh, I think adults... They, they try to dress it up, but they're everybody's the same. We just hide it better. We have more elaborate fig leaves. But adults are really good at hiding it. Uh, teenagers are just a whole lot more blunt, and they don't care uh, probably what you think quite as much. Uh, but 
uh, th- this youth ministry professor that I know um, uh, out in Nashville, Tennessee, at Lipscomb University, he says um, he says uh, every teenager is born and they have antennas, uh, like two little antennas, just like an ant. And all they do, their their entire existence at school, at practice, at home, at church, they're walking around and those two little antennas are trying to feel out everybody. And they're just wondering one simple question, uh, maybe, maybe two simple questions. Number one, do you like me? And number two, do I fit or do I belong, right? Do you like me and do I belong? Um, I think adults are like that too. Again, maybe we do a better job at hiding that. Um but I mean, is there a bigger need in our lives than to find out where I belong? That's literally, literally the lyrics from "Go the Distance" yeah. to find out where I truly belong or whatnot. Um, and um, <laughs> I, I, I don't. I, I'm thinking of band right now. Um, I'm thinking of band. Uh, I am not a band person. I never was a band person. I don't play an instrument. I don't believe that in a high school band or a middle school band that's full of a hundred kids, I don't believe everybody in there is just insanely passionate about the alto flute. (laughs) I know, I know that there are some people who are really passionate about their instrument, but band more than sports, more than clubs, more than anything band is so important in high school because it gives kids a place to fit. Uh, it just does. That's what band is. Band is belonging, right? I mean, they literally will say, well, he's a a band kid, right? Uh, like, like, there's a term that goes with it, right? Um, and, you know, so, you know, who cares if you can play the saxophone or if you're going to do this later? Most of, no, most of the people are not going to do that in, high, in, in college, right? Uh, most people don't carry their... Uh, their 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 tenor flute to adult. I always wanted to be the big the guy on the drums. Doom doom doom. doom, How how many adults do you know that are still playing the flute? Right, (laughs) not many. Right. Yeah. But what band does is it gives kids a a place to fit and and an opportunity to opportunity to belong, and that's what Hercules is looking for. Um, And what he finds, and, and let's transition to to the to probably the, the the deeper theme that I'd love to talk about, what he finds is in order to belong, he is trying desperately to prove his worth and to prove that he does belong, yeah. right? That's why you kind of say that proving your worth and belonging kind of walk, they're not the same thing, but they do walk hand in hand. Um, Hercules is trying desperately to prove that he is worthy, right? Yeah. And so how does he do it, right? He goes, if you remember the movie, he goes and uh, he goes to the temple of Zeus and, you know, you know, the lightning bolt strikes the statue of Zeus and Zeus kind of comes alive and Hercules finds out, oh, I'm actually Zeus's son. This is crazy. How can it be? And, uh, and, and so he wants to become like Zeus again. He wants his full godhood to be restored. And in a lot of ways, the, 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 the whole point of the movie is that, you know, uh, a a, a child is trying to become like, like God, you know, there, there's some, a, a nod of truth, right? Um, you know, the Bible says that we ought, ought to strive to become like God as well. And, and so, uh, you know, Zeus says, well, you know, you need to prove yourself a, tr- a true hero, yeah. right? And so that's, and, and, you know, of course, our God is not asking us to prove 
maybe anything other than our own faith or, or loyalty to him, right? Um, you know, I, I don't believe God has a bunch of uh, hoops that we have to jump through in order to relate to him. Um, but Zeus asks Hercules to prove uh, that he is a true hero. And that's what's kind of the rest of the movie is about. Um, Hercules going about trying to prove this thing. And what's really, really interesting, and, and we've talked about this already, is that I think Hercules has a misconception of what his God is really asking him to do. Does yeah. he? Uh, he's got this misconception because he goes and he goes with Phil and he gets all strong and, and jacked and he's uh, rescuing people from dragons and he's saving cities from floods and he's doing all this incredibly heroic stuff. And then he goes back. This is when he, you know, he goes back to, to the statue, Zeus, and the lightning bolt strikes and he pops up and he's like, all right, father, I've done it. I've proved myself a true hero. And much to his dismay, uh, Zeus says, you're not quite there yet. Um, you know, this really wasn't what I was after. And he's like, and Hercules says, but dad, I'm, you remember what he says? I'm, I'm famous. Yeah. Everybody knows me. You should have been there, father. I nailed the minotaur. Grappled with the gorgon. Just like Phil told me. I analyzed the situation, controlled my strength, and kicked. The crowds went wild. Thank you, thank you. You're doing great, son. You're doing your old man proud. I'm glad to hear you say that, father. I've been waiting for this day a long time. Mm. What day is that, son? The day I rejoin the gods. You've done wonderfully. You really have, my boy. You're just not there yet. You haven't proven yourself a true hero. But father, I've beaten every single monster I've come up against. I'm, I'm, I'm the most famous person in all of Greece. I'm, I, I, I'm an action figure. I'm afraid being famous isn't the same as being a true hero. What more can I do? It's something you have to discover for yourself. But how can I... Look inside your heart. Father, wait! When I was preparing for this, I went, uh, I have some software developer friends uh, and they, they've been raving about this AI website where you can go ask. It's like Google, but Google, like if Google talked back to you and gave you a f full answer. So at one point I said, you know, what are the themes of masculinity in, uh, in Hercules? What, you know, was Phil a hero and all this stuff. And then this question, I actually wrote it on my paper too. What does it mean to be a hero? And if you guys want to play around with it, it's chat GPT and you can go there and, and probably help. I don't know. It's, it's, an, it, it's an interesting way to lose, you know, some time because you might find yourself two hours later, still talking to a robot computer in there. Still having a conversation with right. nobody. <laughs> <laughs> but it says, you know, being a true hero generally means embodying qualities such as courage, selflessness, integrity, and the willingness to make sacrifices for the greater good. A true hero acts with compassion and empathy, puts the needs of others before their own, 
also willing to stand up for what's right, even in the face of danger or adversity. And it's in, they said in this movie, it's a true hero, someone who can be vulnerable, not afraid of asking for help, can admit their mistakes and learn from them and overcome their own personal demons in order to become the best version of themselves and help others. I guess, Corey, I'm going to throw that question to you, Nin. What does it mean to be a true hero? You know, you, you read what the AI computer answered, and, uh, you know, obviously that just kind of sounds like anything, you know, any kind of secular self-help book that you pick up at Barnes & Noble, right? Which, that's to be expected. Um, you know, I mean, you know, we're trying to think of things and, 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 and view things from a spiritual lens, I just I'm not, I'm not quite sure that the Bible really talks all much about heroism. It, it, it might explain it a little bit. You know, in the Book of Judges, there's some really cool. You know, <laughs> you could even say that the in, in the Bible the word judge judges uh, could be a synonym for hero. Right? They were heroes of Israel. Um, but especially in the New Testament, um, you know, I, I just don't know if you see a lot of people with great strength and with mighty power and with um, Acting courageously. I mean, there's some courage, sure, but, uh, you know, even, you know, if you remember in Acts when, uh, uh, oh man, who is it? Is it John and James? I don't don't remember who it is, but they're they're out and about doing, just doing good things for for God. and, and, And everyone's like, I don't get it. These guys are just normal, normal guys. The only difference is they've been with Jesus, right? And they've interacted with Jesus. Um, in, in a lot of ways, um, you know, I, I think someone who's truly a follower of Christ, and of, and of course, you know, Hercules doesn't have, <laughs> it, it might have a hint of decent theology here and there, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's like you said, it's quite literally a, a movie about bad theology, yeah. actually. Um, it's just helpful because it talks about it. And now we get to talk about it. Um, but um, in a lot of ways, you know, unlike the movie Hercules, you know, Christians are, are, you know, we're supposed to find ourselves um, being the least of these, not the greatest. I mean, quite literally in the movie Hercules, he's trying to become Phil. His trainer wants him to become the greatest hero. Yeah. And that's just the opposite of what we're trying to do. And so, Maybe if I was to finally, you know, put a little answer on your question, true heroism or something to really, really, really be proud of in God's eyes, I really do believe happens. Um, how about this? Um, it, it, it happens in closets rather than on stages, right? Mm. Um, I, I think a lot of people, even in Christian circles, feel like. Christian hero heroes and heroism happens on stages or it happens on those TV shows or it happens in large crowds. When in reality, Jesus in his, you know, his famous, most famous sermon ever uh, over and over and over says, Hey, when you do acts of faith, go to your closet and close the door so no one can see. And, and so I just kind of get the sense that I'm just not quite sure how much uh, of, of the, of, of the theme heroism is, is, maybe even to be celebrated all that much. Uh, uh, you know, Hebrews 11, verse 6, one of my favorite passages. And this is so fun, uh, Paul. And this is, I'm glad you asked this question because now this is starting to really come to me. <laughs> what, what is Hebrews chapter 11 commonly 
referred to as the hall of fame it's the, the hall hero, of faith heroes of the faith yeah the, the, har- the, the heroes of faith right and yet the verse in there that is the best verse in all and yet no one talks about it all that much is hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 and it's very simple and it simply says this and we know that without faith it is impossible to please god it doesn't say and without great deeds or it doesn't say without preaching these awesome things it's like this quiet internal no one else could see it because it's 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 what you do behind a closed closet door like this is the thing that pleases god you know faith and yes the heroes if you want to put it in air quotes the heroes of faith in hebrews chapter 11 uh they were they but they had a lot of faith in God, and yet it's not because they proved themselves through an action. And in fact, if you look at their actions, it's terrible, <laughs> right? Yeah. Horrifically sinful, all of these people. Um, things not to be celebrated at all. Um, but in the quiet inter sanctum, inner sanctum of their heart, the, the, the behind closed doors in the in the closet sort of idea. They had faith, and that's what you know. For all the people who are listening uh, to men at the movies, that's what Jesus is asking of us. You know, when you are in your house and there's nobody around, where does your heart go? What what are the things that you really do love? I I asked our teenagers this in in Bible class this week. Um, I said, in your wildest fantasy. In your wildest fantasy, what do you really want? That, that's who you really are in your wildest fantasy. And that's so hard because in, 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 you know, in my wildest fantasy, a lot of times I am a hero in a worldly context. And I am famous. And I, am, I do have a lot of money. And I am pretty powerful. And I am really talented. And that's just so hard. I guess what it comes down to, Paul, like what I'm describing is like, and this is a C.S. Lewis quote, right? We are so much nastier and worse than we really, really care to admit. And yet God's grace really is so much stronger than than we could ever imagine. Because I'm not quite sure if anybody, if we were to print out the transcript of our wildest fantasy of who we would be, I don't think anybody would be proud of it. It'd just probably be an amplified version of who we are today. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure. Uh, so, so, so Hercules talks to his dad, and he's like, you know, he he has a mis misconception, yeah. right? It's a misconception of what he thinks the divine father really wants. There's a nod of truth, right? What he thinks the divine father truly wants, and so he spends like all of his life going after this thing. And it's like that's not even really what God was after. Yeah. We, we just talked about this. God, what, what does God want from your life? What pleases him? It is impossible to please God without faith, right? And I think there's so many Christians, so many Christians who feel like, oh, well, to please God, I need to, I mean, fill in the blank. There, there's, there's a thousand things, right? I, I, I tell my teenagers at our church, I say, if you ever, 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 Hear somebody say, if you really want to make God happy, then you need to, I said, don't even listen to what they say. (laughs) Like, it's like, automatically, it's just garbage, right? Faith is what pleases God, and God has a lot of grace for you. 
That's that's what you need yeah. to know. Okay, God has a lot of grace for you. Um, and so, I, you know, I, I kind of feel like Hercules has this misconception of of what it means to to, to please God. Thank goodness for Hercules, he was young when he found that out. I mean, how many people do you know that waste their lives on chasing the misconception of what they thought God was really after? And, and there's, I mean, maybe you know, maybe maybe you can even argue that faith is really just a bunch of those sequences over and over and over, where you realize, oh man, I actually realize what I've been working on the last three years is not really what God was after. It's not up to me. It's not about me. Yeah, it's not up to me. I read Psalm 30 this morning in the uh, the message translation, and it said, you know, it starts. I I give you all the credit, God. You got me out of my out of that mess. And it's funny because he's like, when things are going great, I crowed. I've got it made. I'm God's favorite. He made me king of the mountain. Then you looked the other way, and I fell to pieces. Yeah, but wow. the idea that you did it. You changed wild lament into whirling dance. You ripped off my black morning band and decked me with wildflowers. I'm about to burst with song. I can't keep quiet about you. God, my God, I can't thank you enough. The realization that, you know, and, and the, the other part of the reading today was that the parable of the landowner and he goes out in the morning, he hires guys, I'll pay you a day's wages goes out two hours later, two hours later, you know, throughout the day. So even the people, and then he pays the guys who showed up for the last hour, the same amount as the ones who worked all day. Yeah. That's, that's a tough parable. <laughs> it really is. It's not fair. <laughs> right. And that's a good thing because we, we do again, who's the hero. What's the hero in the story? You're like, well, it's, it's hard to say, well, it's not me. Right, what John the Baptist said, he must right. increase, I must decrease, so he will increase. Right. And Paul talks about, you know, in my weakness, I am strong. Or in my weakness, he is strong. And but what we see with these three characters, you know, Meg is chasing freedom. She has to prove worthy to to buy her freedom. Phil has been disappointed by the people around him. And, but it's it's through their success that he finds success. He wants a, very similar to Hercules. He wants to be famous. He wants you know. There goes Phil's boy. Yep. And then yeah, Hercules, wants, we just he, talked about. He wants it. to find his worth and other people's recognition. Yeah. Right. And and Hercules, it's through what he does. Through well, look what I did. Here's what I did. The crowds were cheering. I've got an action figure. Aren't I a hero now? Right. And you could even say, aren't I worthy now? Yeah. Right. Because, it, it, you know, for Hercules, it's about being a hero. In reality, if you zoom out a little bit, it, it, you know, we just come back over and over and over to this theme of worthiness. Aren't I worthy of of being a hero now? Right. I mean, that, that's how you could put it. Yeah. Um, well, and, and what does Jesus say about the people who uh, who you know make a big show of the fact they're fasting or make a big show of prayer or. Uh, giving their tithes and offerings, he says, they get their reward. That they're seeking men's praise and men's, uh, you know, and when I say men's, I mean you know people. <laughs> they're getting right. the the praise and adulation of the people around them. Look what a great hero they are. Look how worthy they are. 
But as you, you said that that doesn't please God. God wants you to right. go in your closet. Don't, you know, give so give so secretly and subtly that your your one hand doesn't know what the other hand is doing to to fast, but don't look like you're fasting. And that's just, you know, three examples of a of a broader life of what does it mean to be worthy? It starts with realizing that we're not. Yeah, I, th- I think that's totally correct. <laughs> People who become worthy, eh, I, I don't even know if I want to say that. No one's worthy, right? <laughs> uh, no one's worthy. But 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 you said it starts with realizing, obviously, that you're not. Um, I, I heard someone say this the other day, and I thought it was just really, really um, true, and I hadn't really thought of it before. Uh, they said, you know, for everybody who's going to hell and for everybody who's going to heaven, they all have one thing, thing in common. Is that no matter where you go, every single person will believe they don't deserve to be there, right? Uh, they, they, don't, they don't deserve to be there. And so following God starts with an unbelievable recognition um, that you aren't worthy. And the good news of the gospel is that's okay. Because although Jesus is our king, um, Jesus also, if we are God's inheritance, right, if, if, we, if we are an heir with Christ, it means Jesus is also our brother. And if Jesus is our brother, you know, he, uh, the, the best part about him being a big brother is that he's a good one. I know so many of us have, <laughs> have been the younger sibling uh, and, and have had that older brother who, who <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe they did turn out to be decent, but man, back in the trenches, it was difficult, right? Jesus is the perfect big brother figure, uh, and he shares every single thing that's his. Yeah. Well, what's his? Well, he's the king. That's everything. But the most important thing that he shares is his own righteousness and his own worthiness. He shares it with us, should we want it. And so, uh, again, that's just kind of the beauty of the gospel. And so, you know, Hercules is trying to find out if he is worthy of divinity. Phil's trying to find out if he is worthy of other people's recognition. Meg is trying to find out if she is worthy uh, in a lot of ways, <laughs> worthy of a lot of things. Meg's got a lot of issues. <laughs> <laughs> Meg's got a lot of issues in this movie, in, in, in this movie. Uh, you know, but, but as we kind of ap- approach the end of this uh, conversation into this podcast. I'd like to kind of fast forward a little bit towards the end of the movie. For sure. Uh, yeah. If that's all right with you. Um, because I kind of think, just like how the movie starts where there's a lot of nods to the truth, I think the, the, the movie ends with a lot of nods to the truth as well. Uh, and maybe we should have used this clip. I don't know. Um, but there's the, the, the movie ends, if you remember, Hercules quite literally drains himself of all... Um, of his extra powers of divinity, right? He drains himself of all his powers of divinity, and uh, and he does so in order to save somebody, right? And yet, in a weird way, it kind of doesn't work because the, the tower thing falls on Meg, and quite literally she dies. And Hercules uh, kind of says, hey, listen, like, you know, he kind of makes this deal with Hades, like, and he says, I will take her place. Well, and the interesting thing 
she was someone not worthy of that sacrifice. Because she was in service to Hades. She was sad. That's that's correct. I, I, I love it. Uh, I, I love that detail. And so the movie kind of ends with this scene where Hercules and Hades are standing over this swirling pool. And, you know, it's just like this pool of basically dead ghostly people, right? It's, you know, kind of, quote unquote, it's the underworld, right? Yeah. It's where dead souls are, sure. And Hercules sees Meg and he reaches in there to grab her. And yet he finds uh, if he touches it, he too is going to die. Call it true love, whatever you want to call it. He doesn't care, right? And so he dives in and he's swimming toward Meg. And as he's swimming, he is decaying himself. And Hades and pain and panic. We didn't even talk about them. We should have talked about them. (laughs) Hercules or Hades and, and pain and panic. They're standing on the edge and they're watching this. And they're getting really excited because Hercules is going to die. And yet, of course, the movie ends with him coming up out of the water and he's holding Meg. And quite literally, does he not only save Meg, in a lot of ways, he kind of dies himself. I mean, you, you see his like ghostly figure. It's, it's not looking pretty, right. right? And yet when he comes out, he's not just weak little Hercules, but he's got all the muscles, he's all jacked, and his body's glowing. And so I'd like to kind of just remind everybody of this, uh, of like, like when Jesus dies on the cross in our place and and chooses death when he raises from the dead uh the the gospel accounts are very clear his body's different i don't believe jesus is jacked like hercules and i don't even know if he's glowing like hercules but something about his body is very different it's a resurrected body right i kind of just get this sense that Hades underestimated the power of divine self-sacrificial love. And and I think there's a nod to truth right there. You know, I I really do think that, I think Satan was probably pretty happy when Jesus died. Well, what does Hades say? He's like, I get to take the life of my, the son of my arch enemy, basically. And yeah, that's a very Satan thing. It's like, oh, I can take the life of the son of God. Yes, please. Let's do it. (laughs) Right. One thing that Hades, or maybe it's pain and panic. I don't remember who says it, but they say something when Hercules comes out of the water. And it's so profound. And I want to mention this. He's Hercules is standing there in his glowing body. You know, he's the hero. He's saved Meg. It's very clear. And they, someone says, he can't do that. He would be dead unless he's, 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 and they're all stuttering. And I think panic says finally he's, he's a God. And it's just this big realization that, you know, Hercules has been trying to fight for his divinity all movie long. And finally he has it through, you know, it's not because he was famous. He becomes a hero and, and, and restores his divinity through the power of self-sacrificial love. In the same way, we talked about this earlier uh, privately. You know, I teach our teenagers that while both Jesus' death and his resurrection are incredibly important and vital to every aspect of the Christian faith, they're not the exact same thing. 
they accomplished two different things. Jesus's death is the thing that has saved us from our sins. I don't believe his resurrection is the thing that saved us from his from our sins, mm-hmm. but what his resurrection did is it proved that his blood truly was divine. And because his blood truly was divine, when he shed his blood on the cross, it truly is the only thing that can actually save us. And so when Hercules rises from the pit and they say, he's, 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 he actually is a God. In the same way, Jesus' death is the only thing that saves us from our sins, but his resurrection is the thing that gives the divine stamp of approval that like, hey, you don't need to doubt this anymore. This is true. He really is the God that has saved us from our sins. Both are vital to the Christian faith. That's why Paul says, uh, you know, if, if, if Jesus didn't raise mm-hmm. from the dead, then, then who cares? Yeah. He didn't prove anything. Okay. And I just kind of get this sense that uh, may, maybe our listeners can, uh, through Hercules' story, can, can maybe see that although both Jesus' death and resurrection are incredibly vital, they do different things. And that's something to be thankful for. Yeah. That's something to be thankful for. They walk hand in hand as the, as the two most important events in all of human history. So, yeah, I, I just think the, the movie ends on a really, really cool, cool note. And um, it kind of kind of becomes that G, that that Hercules Hercules's divinity is proved through his self sacrifice of love, uh, and I just think there's a big nod to truth there. Yeah. Well, and I mean, again, going back to Jesus, and you have to lay down your life in order to receive it. So on on the Wild at Heart website, they have a daily prayer, and part of it addresses what you were just talking about, Corey. This idea that there are different works of Christ that do different things. And as you mm-hmm. mentioned, the the cross is where our sin is atoned for. We have been ransomed. Mm-hmm. We're delivered from the kingdom of darkness. Our sin, that's where our sin nature is removed. And, and that's where, that's where the enemy's claim over us is, is sort of disarmed. It's canceled. We're good. It's through Jesus resurrection that we receive life. And we'd be unable to receive that life unless the first thing had happened. Yeah. And so that, that there it's two, I mean, two sides of the same coin in a lot of ways. Like we, one without the other is worthless, but when we receive both of them, both the cancellation of our own sin nature, we are dead to sin through the crucifixion. We're alive to God through the resurrection. Yeah. That's really awesome. Yeah, no, I, I I love that, and I think it's super true. Maybe maybe it's a part of my frustration, and this is this is with my own um, kind of little denomination of faith. I, I am uh, I go to a Church of Christ, which if you know anything about, it's not a super popular denomination. It's not even a denomination denomination technically. <laughs> I say technically because we act like we are, but there's nobody anywhere that tells us what we got to do. We kind of do our own thing even though most Church of Christ kind of act similarly uh, to each other. Our big hallmark thing is usually we don't have instruments in our worship service for you know, a variety of reasons. It's all acapella. Think think uh, really bad pentatonics. 
<laughs> and that's not a, uh, we, we have a great worship leader, uh, Dave Barry, he, but I've, I've been to some churches of Christ where, uh, it's, it's a little rough, but I say all that to say, at least in the church of Christ, I think one thing that's kind of frustrating is it seems to me, it seems like at least when it comes to our, our calendar, we don't view the resurrection and the crucifixion as totally equal. Um, like Easter's giant. But in, in, in my church, we, we don't do anything for Good Friday. Right. Uh, you know, we just, we just don't. Uh, and maybe other churches are different. And maybe maybe the, the the way to balance that is I feel like at least in sermons a lot of times I feel like the crucifixion is talked about a lot Jesus' death but maybe not quite as much his resurrection I'm not quite sure it just seems like we do a bad job of balancing the importance of both of these things and I think the proof is in the calendar um, and so I, I do appreciate what you're saying. Um, talking about uh you know through that website talking about how while both are vital they, they do different things you, you can't have one without the other i almost want to say it's a little bit of like a chicken and the egg sort of a thing <laughs> although that maybe maybe that's not quite good enough because that's talking about which came first this we we know which one <laughs> came first in this business, but you know that they the other the one does not stand without right. the other right Similar to chicken, chicken and the egg. You can't have one and not have the other. Um, when, when you were talking, uh, I just I, I had this story. You know, Hercules is trying to prove himself through a little bit here, a little bit there. Oh, he did this thing, and oh, he saved this person, and now he's an action hero, hero, and and now he's famous, and now you know all these different things. But in reality. What he learns in the end is is that like it's only through the power of self sacrificial love that he kind of becomes who he's meant to be, right? Uh, or, or he can kind of l- live into the story that that's kind of was supposed to be his all along. I heard a preacher tell a story one time, and the story goes like this: there was a chicken and there was a pig. And they were going on a walk. And as they're going on a walk through this neighborhood, they come across this grocery store. And inside the grocery store, it says, uh, there's a sign, and it says, uh, help wanted, in need of ribs, and in need of eggs. Help wanted. And the chicken says to the pig and says, hey, you know, we, we could help them. And the pig says, easy for you to say, you have to just give a little. I have to give everything. And when I heard that, uh, when I heard this story told by this preacher, it's, I mean, it struck, it's such a stupid, simple story, but it struck me like a, like a, like a boulder. So many of us, probably similar to Hercules, assume the wrong, that, that God is asking of us the wrong things. We, we assume that God is asking of us to go to church. God is asking us to not cuss. God is asking us to um, do all these little things. And yes, I, I do understand. Please, nobody hear my point wrong. I, I do think 
you should watch your language. I do think you should be a part of a local church. I do think you should do the little things, right? But if all we assume is that God wants a little, these little bits of pieces all throughout our life, then we, then helping God or living in the God story actually becomes pretty easy. Like, like the, like the chicken, right? It's like, oh yeah, I could do that. But in reality, if, if, if you read the gospel and you understand what Jesus is saying and you read Paul's letters, you would understand that spiritually, maybe we're, we, we ought to be a little bit more like the pig <laughs> and say, man, this might be easy for you to say, but if I follow Jesus, I'm going to have to give everything. Yeah. It's, it's not about this little bit here, this little bit there. Like it's, it's literally, I've got to give my life. This is what Romans chapter 12 says. My life has to be a living sacrifice. It's not about going to church here and making a donation here and, 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 and having these quadrants of our life. I tell our teenagers this all the time. Uh, if your life is a pie, if your life is a pie, God does not want to be the biggest slice. Because what do you do with the biggest slice? Eventually you eat it and then you're done with it. God, your, your life is not a pie. And if, if your life is a pie, God is not the biggest slice to be at. He, he demands to be the flavoring that you sprinkle on every square inch to make every single thing quite literally just taste different. Mm. I'm hoping that the listeners of Minute Movies who are listening to this, I'm hoping everybody can walk away and see what Hercules learns is that in order to please the divine, it is not about adding little bits here and a little bit there, maybe even taking away a little bit here and a little bit there. But in reality, if you want to please the divine, you have to be a living, self-sacrificial uh, instrument of love. And that's the only thing that makes Hercules quite literally like his dad. Because when he comes out of that pit, his skin is glowing. But what do we see at the beginning of the movie? Everybody that's up, up in heaven, their skin glows too. It is only through self-sacrificial love. And her, for Hercules, he does it once, right? Our call is bigger than yeah. that. Our call is every single day. Do you see the call to follow Christ like a help-wanted sign in a grocery store? Where you just have to give a little egg here and there if you're feeling like it, if it's in you? Or is it, do you truly understand what they're asking? Do you truly understand what God is asking of you? And that when you give to God, it's going to require everything. Uh, like Romans 12 says, let our lives be a living sacrifice yeah. every single day to God. Yeah. G.K. Chesterton said, the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. So we're, we're encouraging you guys out there to try it. And uh, as Yoda says, do or do not, there is no try. So. <laughs> and we're going to fail, but God's got the grace. Okay. Yeah. We're going to fail, but God's got the grace. Let's just go for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not about our performance. It's about our heart and what are we pursuing? Yeah. And what are we willing to sacrifice? So this has been Paul McDonald and Corey Stumney talking about Hercules. 
Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed it, and we hope you join us next time here on the Men at the Movies podcast. Something inside has been awakened. I can no longer be who I was before. But if I am no longer who I was, who am I to be? Who am I to be?